When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Nut Money Coalition's Farm Talk podcast. They have been serving the Hopi community since 2004 by working to reaffirm and preserve traditional Hopi farming. Go to nutmoneycoalition.org to learn more. That's N-A-T-W-A-N-I coalition.org. Terraform Development is a Navajo and Hopi-owned engineering, architectural, and project management firm located in northern Arizona. The company has full-time staff and comprises of Navajo and Hopi employees. Terraform services include civil engineering, residential design, drone mapping, and project management on projects for your need. Terraform is a Priority One Navajo Certified Business and Hopi Business License Certified. Contact Terraform Development at T-E-R-R-A the number 4ORM.com and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is uh, Whistling at Night Carl. Carl. <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? We you to all of you out there. And, you know, happy Wednesday. Thank you again for listening to us. It's uh, our third episode. Happy Wednesday or whatever day you may be listening to the podcast. I like to break four, fourth walls around it, here and like to it's Wednesday like, when we like make to them. disrupt. You know, I'm kind of that kid that when Carl had his uh, his his uh, Hot Wheels set up all nice, had them all arranged in line, and then I come through and I start kicking shit around and just to piss him off. He's a uh, he's that asshole that uh, mom tells me not to go near. Don't go near that boy. He looks ugly. <laughs> you're 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 the Thomas and I'm I'm the uh, what was the other guy's name? Victor. <laughs> you're Victor. He, he's he's mean to you. <laughs> he's mean How to you. you. Play with him. <laughs> Don't give him more money because <laughs> he makes me look cool. So. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, uh, it's been a great week. It's been a great week and it's been a great start to the season. I'd like to thank everybody out there that has listened to episode one and episode two. Yeah. Helping to get our numbers uh, jacked up pretty high. We're, we're getting up there, getting up there in overall downloads and just like to thank our uh, supporters, everyone out there. And then also, too, I was thinking about last week's episode because we were talking about Hopi taboos. And then um, some listeners chimed in from a sticker that we posted on our Instagram story of additional taboos that we didn't talk about um, one is that apparently you can't take the garbage out at night i didn't know that and that's something that i've done several times and uh, apparently there are other things too out there that are involved in this taboo area but it was funny because then one of the listeners did um <laughs> message me and then you know she asked and she said that you know what what, what was the conclusion i guess to your taboos of, of why, why you can't do, do taboos and i was kind of puzzled I was like conclusion what do you mean conclusion yeah, yeah the conclusion yeah, yeah. is you can't do them and but then that got me to think is that we didn't talk about 
what bad things happen to people the consequences, when the consequences yeah. of committing taboos and from a hopi perspective for a lot of the consequences that are in relation to breaking taboos it's almost always related to either you're going to get sick in some degree or you're going to cut time off of your life yeah yeah, and, yeah, I, and, I guess, yeah. and so in, in hopi ideology i guess it's that it's this belief that we all have um a time limit yeah on, on what yeah. our life's gonna be and so when we break these rules that we lose time off of the time limit and so you know that was one of the things that i had thought about like we didn't even talk about what the consequences were for taboos but it was funny because then you know when a lot of the listeners started throwing out more ideas of what other taboos are out there that you know when i when we first were talking about it last week that i had it in my mind that i don't break a whole lot of taboos yeah but then people were throwing it out there oh you can't have sex in the shower (laughs) (laughs) or 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 or, or you can't get uh Head. <laughs> are these uh, Navajo taboos that you're talking about? I, I, I think that they are, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that Hopi is the same. And so, you know, for for all of you nasty nasty res couples out there, you know, probably breaking taboos on the regular. But <laughs> that was just my my quick little recap. And actually, like would like to give a shout out before we get into. Okay, yeah, go ahead. The main part of our episode today, I'd like to give a shout out to our uh, podcast brothers. I guess if you want to call them that. Okay, one. all right. Your, your auntie's favorite podcast. They they announced uh, over social media that they reached over 30,000 downloads. And so I'd like to give a big shout out to, to the boys down there in Phoenix. And so 30,000 times we heard the Yoff boys talk about Carl and J-Man. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so I'd like to thank them for their support to us. And, you know, definitely we would like to reciprocate that and that, you know, maybe one day, you know, We'll have you talking about them 50,000 times, but I doubt that. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, congratulations, guys, you know, for reaching that milestone. Uh, You guys are still in the Little League right now. You know, we're still heavy hitters, but, you know. (laughs) It's so funny to hear you talk trash. It's enjoyable. I I like it. Uh, Exactly. I try to stay subtle, but yet harsh. (laughs) You try to stay subtle, but yet hardcore. (laughs) I'm still hardcore at heart. (laughs) I like that. I like that. So we do have some new 30 pack sponsors as well, too. You know, we we still we have two of our newest 30 pack sponsors. So congratulations or have a shout out to Shane Dempsey and Troy Lumovoya. You know, uh, yeah, for for a sponsor for, you know, for giving us the, the, the green there to keeping us alive. Big shout out to Shane and Troy for joining our 30-pack circle of givers, helping to keep the party going on. I'd like to thank those two and thank, uh, thank our other 30-pack circle of contributors and then also to our season six sponsors. Big Kwa to you all because then, you know, as we mentioned before that the Carl, the CJ podcast brand is expanding that we did add an additional person. And then so we mentioned her, we mentioned Stacy last time. And so, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I do want to give a shout out as well too. Oh, thank you. I, I, <laughs> not, spend, spend some not time to you. Me a shout. I appreciate it. Man. <laughs> I no. do feel unappreciated around here sometimes oh, you yeah? know, because, you know, I, I am the guy that fuels the ship, so to speak. <laughs> and yet, you know, you're, you're the, you're I, the, I, I don't get any employee of the month. Um, <laughs> 
plaques or any type of recognition dinners. In fact, I think you still owe me a lunch on a bet that we made a while back that you <laughs> lost. And so, you know, thank you for the shout out. If we were Titanic, you would probably be on green class because green class is the lower class. You would be like Jack, the stowaway. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I would like to give a shout out over the over the past uh, weekend and a half ago. I think it was, um, you know, my my brother had uh, his his girlfriend had a baby, and we did our one of our babies naming ceremonies. Oh, cool! And you know, um, there you know, there's a lot of women involved on both parties, uh, both of the ends of the clans, and and uh, you know, there uh, my my brother's girlfriend, he has, her clan is, uh, Mike Gaz, which is uh son forehead clan, you know, and, and there, um, you know, they, they make the, the meals for the, the opposing team pretty much. The, for the father's side. For the, the father's, for the father's side. And, and there I, we were invited over cause when we brought our meat over, like our sequi to make a nukwivi, um, they invited us over and we sat down and there was a, a plate of, uh, tacos, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's just the traditional tacos, you know, how like the traditional Hopi taco is, it's just bland, um, sequi, like, you know, just ground beef, nothing mm -hmm. added to it. Yeah. You know, the traditional thing. And I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting much of it and I, I tasted it and it's like, man, this is really good. It's like, this is some, this is not Hopi tacos here. I was like, I was scarfing them down. I was like, man, it's like, is who made this thing here? And so, uh, you know, um, one of the, one of my guys, you know, she was saying that, uh, one of the girls had made the, the, the tacos because they had listened to us Oh really? because of the, the, the episodes that we said that the, I guess it was the food episode. Uh -huh, they listened uh -huh. to us that we were saying that when, Hopi tacos are bland. You, yeah. Complaining about we were complaining about tacos. that. And so they said, we have to use spice now in order to bring <laughs> So, and one of the, the girls there, I want to make a shout out uh, uh, to Kiana Mace. You know, she, she's the one who, I guess, created the tacos or helped create the tacos there. Uh, you know, happy belated birthday. I think she told me it was in July, I believe. You know, she's so, cause I did a shout, we did a shout out for birthday thing before. And she's like, I want a shout out of a birthday. And I said, well, I'll give you a shout out for your tacos and. Must be would be Carl to be complaining about the food and, and how it tastes, which is uh, not necessarily a taboo taboo, but is something is discouraged. But big shout out to Kiana, to our sweetheart for listening to us and to adding some flavor to an otherwise very bland meal. But quack, quack. all right. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, and, and so and then we did it again, spent 10 minutes of just doing shout outs before getting into the premise of our episodes. But then, you know, the benefit is that we did decide to extend our episode. Yeah, lengths. Yeah. And so, you yeah, know, exactly. we will be with you for quite a while. But today's topic for our episode is uh, what happens when we come home. And I guess, you know, there's some explaining to talk about that, because when I first told you, I said, you know, our, our topic of the uh, our topic for this week is going to be what happens when we come home and you responded to me and you said, well, so old cooks me dinner. <laughs> I was like, Carl, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and, and so I guess really, you know, what, what the meaning behind that of what happens when we come home, it's this idea that a lot of us on the reservation that grow up on the reservation are presented from those that are older than us. It's this idea of creating dreams. Yeah. It's this yeah. idea of that, you know, you're going to, 
get your education, you're going to go to college, you're going to move away from home, you're going to go to college, or you're going to pursue a profession into which you can learn valuable knowledge that's much needed back here on home. You're going to go out there, you're going to accomplish a lot of things, but then at some point you're going to move back. You're going to move back to the reservation and then you're going to share your knowledge. You're going to help to make home a better place. And so really that's kind of the the premise, I guess, or the idea behind the topic today of what happens when we come home. Do you remember when we were, when we graduated um, from high school? From high school. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And there was a, a speaker up there that said, go out to the world and make something of yourself. Go out and uh, learn something new. So when you come back to the reservation, you have this knowledge, this working knowledge to actually help mm-hmm. your ho- your people mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And when you do, there'll be jobs lined up for you. There'll be, you know, all of this infrastructure that's going to go on there. And we were promised that we would become leaders of the world. We, we are, you're, you are, you're almost given this feeling like you're going to be treated like celebrities. Yeah, yeah. That because you go out into the, the bigger pond. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah, you yeah. go and experience things. You obtain knowledge, earn certain types of accreditations, whether those be degrees, certificates, or whatever else, some sort of validation from the outside world. And then you come home, but then all of a sudden you're supposed to have this big parade that you were talking about <laughs> one time in a past episode. But then, you know, and, and so, but then before we talk about the realities of actually what happens, back when you were in high school, when you were about to graduate, what were your thoughts? What were your thoughts? What did you think was going to happen in the future when you were promised this grand doist lifestyle. Oh my God. You know, when I was in high school, I never had a second thought about going out to the real world. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought, you know, uh, I was going to just live at home forever. Really? (laughs) Well, that was in my back of my mind. I mean, I never thought going to college was something that I would do. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I thought that I was going to get a wife, have children, you know, just work out, out of the garage. I don't know. I, I never had a plan or a goal to go to. And when recruiters from different various um, colleges came by, you know, I was like, I'll throw my hat in the ring to see what happens. And I did. And I got scammed out of $40,000. <laughs> but I, didn't you get a free toaster out of it? <laughs> Yeah, I got a you know lifetime membership to the Jelly Month of uh, Jelly of the Month Club. So. <laughs> no, but I think that's a valid point though that you know not all of us do make that journey or make that transition yeah. of leaving the reservation after we graduate high school. That some of us do stick around and either raise start to raise families or obtain employment at the local places of employment yeah. where, where you can get jobs and so not definitely not everybody has this experience but I remember though in high school thinking because I, I think similar to you that at some point in time in high school that I also didn't think I was going to go to college but I always knew I was going to move away from home yeah that I always had this thought that because my two oldest sisters moved off and were living in Phoenix at different parts of their life that I thought that, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm yeah. Do the same thing, whether I go to college or whether I get a job somewhere that I'm going to move away. And so, but by the time that I did get to graduating from high school, 
that I did have a commitment to go to college yeah. and, and to run cross country for college. I, I believe I told this story back in our uh, college episode in season one. But I, I also did have that thought that, and like many of my other peers, we all talked about it. We all used to talk about it that, you know, we're going to go off, we're going to get this experience, we're going to go get these degrees or whatever it is that we were had our uh, sights set on. And that we were going to bring this knowledge back to the reservation at some point. Because I think that when you grow up on the reservation, even though we talked about it and equated it to living in a fishbowl. Yeah, yeah. That nobody had any illusions that the reservation was a perfect place. Oh, yeah. That we all knew that we had issues out here. We all knew that there were better places for us to take ourselves we always knew that there was better development to be made for our people. And so I think that when a lot of us went off to college or to wherever, moving off the reservation, that, that those were our ideas to be able to make those types of dreams a reality. You know, uh, this reminds me of a joke. Um, he's a comedian. He's a Native American comedian. His name is uh, Guambli Ohitika. And uh, I know it sounds weird coming from a, a Hopi guy trying to <laughs> pronounce a Lakota name, but he he said that you know when he was when he was living on the reservation, um, he had this notion that you couldn't leave the reservation. So he's like, you know, I didn't know that you could leave the reservation. I thought, you know, I thought I'd just go to the reservation line and just look out to the outside world. And I didn't know that you could do that as natives, you know. <laughs> didn't and, know that was an option. I didn't know that was an option, you know. <laughs> and so it, it just kind of puts you in that perspective that that's how, that's how, you know, Native American kids feel is that there's nothing um, outside for us, you know, we lived on the reservation all we, all our lives. We had school on the all our, on the reservation, so we don't know what to expect on the outside world, and we don't know what to do on the outside world. And that's the reason why a lot of us have failed uh, on making like a, a difference in the on the reservation is because we didn't have that real world experience. And when, when somebody comes up or when somebody is in front of you and you're graduating saying that you're going to become leaders of the world, it, it messes with your mind to say that, how can I do that? How can I become a leader of the world? But I have no experience. I had nothing to look forward to. All I see was MTV and BET TV, you know, all of these, these influences that were on social media, but yet nothing was influencing me to become something better. And so a lot of us on the reservation have failed because of that. And that's the reason why a lot of us, when we're coming back home or we're leaving the reservation, getting a degree or getting something and coming back, we have that failed notion to see that, man, my tribe failed me. <laughs> and so that was like the, the kind of the eye opener of like, yeah, it, it is true that we, we, we just don't see it in a way where we want to see it, I guess. And I do apologize to the listeners out there because I did space out for a minute on my notes. So you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this is a moment to correct Carl or not. No, it's not. <laughs> but then, you know, I, I guess, you know, really talking about something that you did mention, because then, you know, when, when you're talking about your dreams, that it's basically this blank canvas, right? Yeah. And then you start having these grand ideas of what it is that you want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, and I, I've always experienced this 
in my college experience because my degree program was American Indian Studies, yeah. in bachelor's and master's degree. And so a large part of the conversation was how can we fix the reservation? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, like lots of ideas, lots of ideas, lots of great ideas. But then the problem, though, is that when you put an idea and then you bring it to reality, that you are often met with a lot of unexpected variables that you didn't take into consideration. And so, you know, and I think that that's a pretty good transition into talking about the realities of what happens when we come home. Because then, as you mentioned before, you know, sitting there in 2003 with your cap and gown on. Oh, yeah. With your your green gown on. Go Warriors. Yep. (laughs) And then, you know, you're hearing this grand old speech about, you know, you're the future of our people. You're going to go out there into the real world. You're going to accomplish many great things. One day you're going to come home and then you're going to bring this valuable, invaluable knowledge to our people and really help us rise up. And then so, you know, you start going off into space with your thoughts and you're thinking that, you know, I'm going to create a dojo in Tuba (laughs) City. So, you know, generations before me won't have the problems that I had. And then, you know, you're thinking about all these ideas. And then when the time actually comes for you to come back home, what is the reality that we actually face? Well, we face uh, living with our parents for a while. (laughs) 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 And, and, you know, because when I went, when I got, when I went to college, um, Soul and them were very proud of me for going to college. And, you know, they said that, okay, yeah, you're, you know, you're going to make something of yourself. You're going to go out and into the real world and, and whatnot. And, and I was proud to, proud to, um, see them by, you know, like waving goodbye to them. And I remember that, uh, Gua gave me this speech saying that don't do anything bad that you'll ever regret the next day. Mm-hmm. And I, I took that to heart and it's like, you know, that is true because, you know, there's a lot of things that influence you in college and whatnot. Of course, the, you know, if you see Porky's one, two and three. <laughs> and I know you've seen all three of them numerous times. <laughs> exactly. Pausing certain parts, <laughs> ruining your VHS tape. Rewind and pause. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what they, what Bahanas referred to, it's called a pause and toss. So... <laughs> Anyway, back to my story is that, is that, you know, when Kwa was saying that to me and saying our goodbyes and everything, and, you know, I, the next day it felt weird because going off the reservation was something different because mm-hmm. I never been off the reservation, never lived off the reservation, mm-hmm. especially when you're, you're still in that mindset of, uh, like just fresh from high school. Yeah. 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 And then when I, what, what are bills? What's, yeah. What's, what's the bill? Yeah. Like, you know, I never knew the concept of like paying rent. I have to pay to breathe. It's like, is this? like rent is like, what's rent is like, you have to pay for water, <laughs> but I'm native. I'm Hopi. <laughs> I just go down to the spring. I'll get some water, you know? <laughs> anyway, when, when I graduated and came back home, I was expecting like, you know, this parade, this grand parade for me, like, you know, oh, you know, Carl's home and let's have this, uh, you know, he's going to help save the world here. He's going to help save, you know, Hot Villa. And and uh, all I got was, uh, hey, what's going on from some of my friends? Where did you go? You know, <laughs> you know, all, you know, the friends that I had there is like, where did you go? Where did you go? Oh, you're all bad now. Yeah. Oh, you're all bad now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and and when I got back, there was nothing here. 
I couldn't get a job with my with the degree that I got. I couldn't find a job. It's like there was nothing. And so So and Kuala started looking around with me and stuff. And they said that, why don't you just start your own business? And it's like, I don't know how, I don't have a concept of starting an own business. I'm an artist, you know. I, I, I could see you trying to start your own business. You're like a SpongeBob walking out to your front lawn <laughs> with some boards. You build a little stand and then you have a little sign that says uh, graphic artwork for 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and you just sit there all day long. <laughs> yep, exactly. We'll draw you for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll draw you on the computer for five bucks. <laughs> and it was weird because I just didn't expect that, that speech that we were given in 2003 to go awry, to go, <laughs> to go awry. <laughs> <laughs> when keeping it real goes bad. <laughs> And I never knew that. And when you have that real world experience, then you're like disappointed in life. You're like, this sucks. Yeah. This like, I spent (laughs) $40,000 on a piece of paper. Then I have to live at home again. (laughs) I still can't get a job. And I still can't get a job. I can create the same piece of paper on the, the, what I learned at (laughs) school. (laughs) What I learned at school, I can create the same thing, you know? That's that 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 those those are some great stories and I think it really um it really fits well with what I designed. So and I know you didn't do this intentionally, but thank you for following my format for the episode. You know, I, I really appreciate it. But then, you know, because I, I think that for me, at least from my own personal experience, that I needed to mention is that, you know, you have to live with your parents for a while. Oh, and yeah. I, I think that a lot of people experience that because we've talked to great lengths about the housing issue on the podcast. Oh, yeah. but I don't think oh, we've yeah. really talked about it in detail because the housing issue out here on Hopi is very strange. Oh, yeah, it because is. Because then, you know, like for, for the most part, there aren't enough houses for everybody out here to live in comfortably. No. But then yet you go into any village, any village, and there are a lot of homes that are unoccupied. Oh, yeah. And then so, you know, it doesn't make sense it's like two plus two equals fish how do we have a housing issue but yet you have so many unoccupied homes in villages but of course you know the the real issues with those is that folks are fighting over the homes or the person that's in charge of the home doesn't want to live home they're living someplace oh else. yeah yeah but then they don't let anybody else live in it and so it stays unoccupied and so you know when the res famous wife first moved back from the city that she went ran through a similar issue in that you know we had a difficult time because she had our kids yeah i was still finishing my master's degree but she decided to move home a little bit earlier than i did and that you know she had to rent out a trailer home in tuba city yeah and so that's where she was living for a bit yeah but then in the middle of living in that trailer that she had to move out because Uh the owner decided to sell the trailer to somebody else and then she was living in a hotel for a few months before we ended up getting the home that we're living in right now. And so a lot of other individuals out there have issues because for a lot of people that do come home and are able to find jobs, are able to find work, are able to make a living, that it's not difficult for people like us to go out and purchase something like a trailer, right? Yeah. Like a, a yeah. trailer that you can move. But where the difficulty is, is where are you going to put it? Yeah. Because not all of us have places that you can put a trailer and so you know that was the issue that me and the res famous wife ran into is that we could purchase a trailer 
but where are we going to put it? And so it was difficulty of finding a place to put it. And I know that that's a lot of issues that other folks find when they're trying to find a place. And then, as you mentioned to the work, the work, because then, you know, for myself, it's that, you know, I in the profession that I'm working in now isn't something that I went to school for. Yeah. And I know that's kind of similar to your situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And very similar to a lot of other people in a lot of different places that they work out here on the reservation because we've documented it before that the workforce just isn't very deep in terms of the diversity of what it is. It's that more than likely if you're going into the educational field, if you're going into the healthcare professions, you'll be okay. Oh, yeah. You'll be okay because for the most part, I know that schools out here are always looking for individuals with that type of educational background that the healthcare centers are always looking for people. But what happens when you decide to become uh, a, a scientist? Yeah. What happens when you decide that you want to become uh, an ar- architect or what happens when you decide to become something else? And in your case, a graphic designer. Yeah. That, you know, what happens when you come home? And so, you know, that that's kind of the difficult thing is that, like you said in your speech, is that we were promised bright futures. Yeah. We were promised parades. We were promised all these other types of great benefits. But yet we're when we after we go through the process of moving away from home getting our degrees, putting in a lot of effort. And see, that's the thing. Getting a degree isn't easy. No, it's you know not. What I mean? like, like it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time commitment. It's very difficult to get a degree. You get that, you come home, and then you're basically almost to a degree stuck at the very beginning from which you started. Exactly. You know, and before we go on, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our paid sponsor. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hopi Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their services. Follow them on Instagram at NurturingISquared and on Facebook at NISquaredTeam to find out more. And so for sure, we're not the only individuals out here that have experienced that type of splash of cold water in the face. Oh yeah, no, no. When we come home. And then, you know, I think the other difficult part thing, and you kind of alluded to it to a, a little bit to a degree earlier, is that how we fit back into our communities. Yeah. How we start kind of, I guess, um, assimilating back to reservation society. Because then, you know, for the most part, when you move off the reservation, that you do assimilate to wherever it is that you're living. And and for me, you know, I lived a large part of my 20s, well, my entirety of my 20s in the Phoenix area. Yeah. And so I very much assimilated to that type of culture. And so whether that was how I carried myself in the classroom or how I carried myself in my places of employment that, you know, a lot of things about me changed. Yeah. Um, A lot of things about how I perceived the world changed. And so when J-Man was assimilated to city life, and that's a lot of things, right? Because then it's like the food that you're accustomed to eating, the clothes that you're accustomed to wearing, the types of um, R&R stuff that you like to do, relax and uh, 
rest and relaxation types of activities yeah. that you like to do, even down to the types of people that you hang out with, because oftentimes you're hanging out with a lot of non-hopes. You, you know, um, when I when I had this notion when we when I was in in college, you know, you had this lifestyle that was like just booming and 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 everything hanging out at Christie's and, every other weekend, <laughs> and you know, eating this great food that you go to restaurants and Fil- when you Filibertos, <laughs> and then when you go home and then you're like. You know, so there's no foie <laughs> here on the table, you know, and like you guys actually dress like this, you know, and you're for, for dinner, for dinner. You're like, where's your suit and tie? You know, <laughs> and and it, it and it was weird because that's how I felt. I felt like, you know, there was something missing from home. You know, there was something missing at home. When I came back. And From what like, you were accustomed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. What I was accustomed to is like, you know, as like a plastic silverware. It was like, that's unheard of, you know. <laughs> so where's your washing machine? <laughs> Push, pushing random things on the on the counter. <laughs> on, on the stereo. On the stereo. <laughs> so how do you get this started? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, but that it, it's true though. It's true because then I that was one of the first things that I remember when I first came home. Yeah, it's that because where I lived at, you know, what I mean, because I I didn't cook all the time. Yeah, and I yeah. don't think a lot of us did when we were single on our own. And I remember that you know coming home thinking like, oh man, I could go for some pad thai right now. Yeah, yeah. Or oh man, I could go for uh, some little Chicago's pizza. Or you know what I mean? Like you have all these ideas of different types of cuisines that you want to consume, but then you're stuck with very limited options. And I remember thinking like, God damn, man, I can't wait till we go to Flag. And that's kind of a joke that I tell to people all the time. It's like now when I travel to like Flagstaff or Phoenix, the, the the one thing that I think about the most is oh where are we gonna eat at yeah 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 exactly <laughs> you're, you're thinking about food and then the other big thing too about moving back home getting readjusted to reservation life coming from the big city is all of the conveniences that you don't have on the reservation because then you know sometimes you're on the weekends at your home doing some cleaning or you know maybe you're fixing some stuff and then you realize oh I need a certain tool yeah. okay I'll just go run down to Lowe's or to Home Depot down the street get the tool that i need and then i'll be back right here but then when you're out here on the reservation when you're doing those sorts of things when you realize i need a certain type of tool i need a certain type of object for my house to improve it and then you realize that what you do instead is that you start putting on a list yeah you start creating lists because when next time I go to Flagstaff, I this have this This is what list. you're going to... Yeah. This is what I have to buy. My, my phone is full of that. So <laughs> I, or, I have I know that. Or, or when you're cooking, you know, and you realize that, oh, I'm out of this. It goes on the list. Yeah. Because that's... Once you make your trips into town, that these lists come with you because you don't have that convenience anymore to be able to just go down the street and buy something. It, it is weird because you, you have to adjust to your, your surroundings here. And I did that when I did go off to college. And when I when I went off to college, I didn't know that you could get like uh, McDonald's 24-7. I thought you, it was like dinner time was at 6. Clo- cl- <laughs> <laughs> it is true because, so, you know, I live with old That old makes people. me laugh for the fact that I know you live with old people. <laughs> Because dinner's at six o'clock and, and, you know, my meal is there at six o'clock. <laughs> and so when I went off to college, you know, and my college guys, my college buddies, um, and it was around five, five thirty. And I'm like, hey, are we going to go eat? And I kept on asking. And they're like, eat lunch. And they're like, <laughs> lunch. You want to eat lunch? And I'm like, no, I thought we we're going to go eat dinner. And like, 
You mean at 10? 10 is about dinner time. And I'm like, no, 10 is for sleeping time. <laughs> we go to sleep at 9.30. That's what Soul and Quest says. <laughs> and so I, ne- I never knew that you could, you know, eat any time after six. I thought we were like gremlins. Don't feed them after midnight. You know, I, I never knew that. And it, it this, this notion of adjusting to a, re, a real world, basically, like what's out there mm-hmm. and then readjusting back to the reservation life was totally different. Re- readjusting to reservation life. And then you, we, did, we did take a big detour in talking about food. But then, you know, food is always something that's good to talk <laughs> about. But, you know, one of the things that I definitely wanted to talk about, though, is how we get readjusted to our communities, oh, yeah. how we get readjusted to our people. Because then we have talked a lot about this concept, this idea of factory settings. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, factory settings out here, unfortunately, you know, like we mentioned before, that they can be a little racist. That they can be a little homophobic. Oh, yeah. That they can yeah. be, you know, very toxic because, you know, I was thinking about it on a walk one time and I was thinking about how I talked and how I communicated myself when I was first, I guess, growing up okay. before I moved away. Okay. Basically, when I still had my factory settings in comparison to how I adjusted when I moved away and then in comparison, especially to now. Like how I I communicate myself because then, you know, I I was thinking about back then in high school and for some reason I was thinking about the LGBTQ community and I I was thinking about them for a specific reason because now that's what we say. Now that's what we say. We see the LGBTQ community. Yeah. But but back then, that's not what we were saying. Oh, no, no. We were saying some really bad words. Oh, yeah. And we were saying them without remorse. Oh, yeah. Because that's what everybody said. That, you know, anytime that there were gay people that you either called them fags or queers Uh or if there were lesbians, then you called them dykes. Yeah. And that was just how we conversated back then. And then going into college, meeting a lot of individuals that were part of the LGBTQ community and really learning about the trials and tribulations that they undergo. Basically, a lot of what our guests from the LGBTQ episode what they said that, you know, that they do receive a lot of harassment, unfortunately, a lot of even uh, physical threats and even like the fighting that, oh, that yeah, our guests yeah, were yeah, talking yeah. about. And so, you know, I was able to uh, sympathize for what the struggle that they go through. And so now I feel like that because I moved away that I gained that knowledge of a different culture of people. Like a view. And then now I have so much more respect for what it is that they represent for the types of lives that they live because I know a little bit more now but yet you know and we've talked about this a lot that our people out here unfortunately we have blinders on uh-huh yeah, and that, oh yeah. you know we're very much um tunnel visioned and that we only want to see the world in a certain way and god forbid if anybody lives their lives outside of these blinders that we have that, you know, then, you know, they're, they're going to receive criticism for those folks that are living like that. Exactly. And, you know, uh, when I was in college, you know, I still talked in that that mindset of like on the reservation, like saying bros, 
Like, you know, uh, when I was talking to the, the what, was the, what was that guy called? The, the admin guy that checks you in or something like that. In college? Yeah, in college. And he, a counselor or something like that? Yeah, a counselor or something. I don't know what he was. Advisor? <clears throat> yeah, the advisor guy. And he was like saying that, you, know, you must have a lot of uh, friends. And I was like, yeah, I have a lot of bros out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah talking to some hoes and bros, you know. Yeah, and and we, I talked in that in that notion, saying that you know, um, or th- that mindset of of still living on that reservation, and I had to and watching movies, you had to get like tough skin, you had to get like you know thick skin. So I kind of played that role of the stoic, the, the token Indian, yeah, the the stoic Indian, you know, and then people would come up to me and like you know be scared of how what to ask, and I'm like you know. Uh, well, like one guy, he, he comes up, he's like, uh, so what's your horse's name? Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh, and I was like, horse. And I'm like, yeah, well, do you guys live in teepees? And it's like, teepees? I was like, no, I'm a Hopi Indian. And he's like, never heard of you guys. And I'm like, okay, don't hear about us then. <laughs> and, and so it was that weird mindset of explaining who you are to the people out there because nobody knows who we are. You know, nobody knows that concept of like, there are more Indians than uh, um, there are other Indians like uh, like Hopi or mm-hmm. like you know uh, like uh, different southern Indians and stuff and, and and it was weird in a way because I I never knew that I had to explain who I was to people that I didn't know it was just because living on the reservation you never knew you you never had that you never had that notion to explain who you were you know everybody knew who you were like you know they would say that are you are you uh you know so and so's godson or are you so and so's grandson and they're like yeah yeah i am it's like oh i know your dad you know i know your mom and you know and you never knew you never had that experience of like explaining yourself so it was weird in a way to have that experience well you sticking to the format didn't last very long, <laughs> but thank you for that, Carl. And then, you know, I'm sure that, you know, others out there can relate to, to that conversation, oh, oh yeah, exactly. but, but, but speaking back to the people out here rather than the people out there, <laughs> but you know, like some of the adjustments, I guess that are, are kind of difficult is that because I, I think that one of the things that I think about a lot that really sticks out in my mind about reservation people yeah, is that, you know, oftentimes that people out here can have like a real bad negative attitude. Oh yeah. Because then sometimes, you know, like that, like, like you were saying, like when you first came home and then you told your friends that, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm home now. Yeah. And then the reaction is, Oh, where were you at? You know, you're, you're all good now. Or you think you're too good. Yeah. Now, you're all you bad know, now. You're yeah. all bad now. And, and so, you know, you do, you do sometimes get treated that way. Oh yeah. By, by individuals, because then, you know, you're coming home you're speaking your uh, your Harvard accents, as, as one of our listeners proclaimed out there on <laughs> Facebook, that, you know, your, your swagger changes. You oh, know, yeah. How you carry yourself changes. Because then like that, like, we don't like our hamburgers cooked well done anymore. Oh, no. We like the medium. Oh, yeah. We don't like our steaks well done anymore. We like the medium rare. Uh-huh. And some of us like to throw blue cheese on there or, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like. To us, uh, Bud Light tastes like water now. And then, you know, we want to drink the, the stronger IPAs. And so, you know, we change. Yeah. We change by living out in the bigger city that we change. And that when we come home, that we carry ourselves in a different way. And sometimes, you know, like I like to make myself 
stand out a little bit. You know, like when we're going down to the Giva, for example, I like to wear my uh, my, my polo sweatpants in the wintertime <laughs> because I want to stand out a little bit. Just very recently, I was gifted my very first cigar and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll show them. I'll be really different when I take the cigar down to the Giva yeah. and then I'll be smoking that while everybody's smoking their, uh, their, their, their cheap cigarettes. <laughs> you heathens out there still smoke the... <laughs> You'll see me down in the Cuba with my cigar and my my, my glass of uh, cognac. <laughs> glass of cognac out there is like <laughs> it's like a Raja. <laughs> and and so you know it, it does it does take an adjustment. And even the other thing too that I've I, I guess that I think about often too the other adjustment is that when you're communicating with individuals out here that they do talk like that like, oh, like yeah. how they have that reservation um, vernacular still in, yeah. in, in how they communicate but yeah I talk like this like I'm comfortable talking like Fraser Crane or like Sheldon Cooper or you know what I mean like I, yeah. Yeah. I'm just com- comfortable in talking I guess in a little bit more developed English speak, even though, you know, I recognize that my English isn't the greatest all the time. I, you know, um, I just read, um, that if you, if your English is very, very bad, that means that your, your, uh, your first language was not English. So congratulations to everybody who has broken English because learning English as, as, uh, you know, as a Hopi boy, as a Hopi person is very, very hard because you're, you're around Hopi people all the time who speak Hopi. And when you, when you figure out that Hopi is, and you pick up the words and when you start to learn English, then it's kind of hard for you to differentiate, differentiate the two. So I think that's only in certain contexts. And I think really what they say is that when you speak English with an accent, it's when you speak another language. Yeah, that's true. Because I know, I do know a lot of people that speak broken English, but can't speak Hopi. (laughs) Oh yeah. All right, before we go on, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break for our our paid sponsor. Koen Vioma Law PLLC is 100% native owned and operated, founded by Viren Koen Vioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Koen Vioma Law is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering community activism and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. And I don't, you know, and I guess going back to our conversation about the speak, like I don't say that to try to be condescending. Oh no. I, I don't try that to be egotistical or, you know, to build myself up, but that's the reality. Oh yeah, that, it that's is. That's the reality because then like when I go down to the Giva and then, you know, you might hear me talking like this down in the Giva, but then a majority of the individuals that are down there aren't speaking the way that I'm speaking. Oh, no, no. In, in, in fact, the older individuals are speaking Hopi. And so, you know, it's like this, I, I guess it, it, you get to a point where you develop in a certain way that in a way you unalign yourself from the reservation. And then when you come back to the reservation, you're trying to realign yourself yeah. with the reservation. But then I also realized too that, you know, sometimes a part of that realignment process is that sometimes you pick up some of the bad habits again. Oh yeah. Or you start to pick up some of the toxic habits because then, you know, I truly do believe that, you know, how you talk or how you carry yourself 
is heavily influenced by your physical um your 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 physical settings or you know where it is that you are and and so you know i i've come to realize that i think that i've gotten a little bit more toxic again <laughs> from just from, living from, out, from here. Being out here yeah. because then you know like when you're out in the city and you have friends that you communicate with each other i guess in um a respectful matter. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Like, hey Joe, what's going on? You know, how, how's the family? Oh, your family is doing pretty good. Oh, oh, cool. All right. Well, you know, we'll see you later. But then when you come back and you get re-engaged with your reservation friends, hey, what's up, Carl? What's up, little boy? <laughs> or you start throwing. I, I, was trying, I was trying to think. Oh, oh, I, was okay, trying to, I was trying to think of a clever insult to say to you, but then I, I didn't want to say anything too mean. But then you know that's how we talk to each other. Yeah, like, yeah. like we we insult each other yeah. a lot out here. That's part of the culture that we talk crap to each other a lot. And yeah, exactly. And yeah. especially like with the dynamics that we've talked about before. That as Hopis within our culture, that you tease your nieces and nephews. You tease your sisters, you tease people that belong a part of your clan for reasons. I'm really not sure as to why we do that, yeah. but that's what we do. But that's you know? part of the culture. Because then, you know, I'll see my nieces or other clan sisters posting on social media and I talk shit because, oh, yeah. you know, that, that that's part of the culture. And then, you know, you, it happens in other way around. And so it's like this shit talking redevelops in you. Oh, when yeah. you come back home because that's a part of the reservation culture. And then sometimes, you know, it, it kind of backfires on you because I, I have this buddy that um, is, is, is an urban Hopi. Okay. And he practically disowned me on social media because he got <laughs> tired of my shit talking. <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't handle the, he, he couldn't handle the heat. Couldn't handle J-Man. No. Either. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that, that's kind of something that kind of helps to, I, I guess, I guess, Make something like that stick out that, you know, wow, oh, I, oh, yeah. I, I think yeah. I've gotten more toxic again since being back home. And, and it is weird. It is true in a way, because when I moved back home, you know, a lot of my friends out here, you know, th thought that I, I sold out. I, I was I was a sellout. And, you know, how come you how come you got this degree here? And, you know, it you don't need a degree to carve a doll. You know, you don't need a degree to draw a, a picture. And uh, and, you know, it's not about that. It's about like, you know, finding a job with the skills that I have developed, not just because I'm an artist, but because I want to be respected in the art world, I mm -hmm. guess you could say. Mm hmm. And then I think, too, that a lot of the other big change that people like us experience is that when you live in a big city yeah. and you start not only just outside of your education, whatever it is that you're trying to get a certain type of training for to build a career for yourself. Okay. But like when you actually start to work. Yeah. That when you actually start to work in certain areas that in the city that there's a concept that they call professionalism professionalism, meaning that, you know, you dress appropriately when you go to work, that you converse with your colleagues, your coworkers in yeah, a certain yeah. way, because that's professional yeah. to be like yeah. that, that you develop certain habits, you show up to meetings on time, or, you know, you communicate with other folks respectfully because that's professionalism. But then when you come home to the reservation, that professionalism is another seed that doesn't grow out here because when you try to 
cultivate that professionalism plant, it dies. Oh, yeah. Just like the romance seed. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I think that that's kind of a, a big adjustment. And it's something sometimes, a lot of times, that it's a difficult adjustment for folks like us to to make. Because then, I guess from, from, from my experience, and I do have it written on my format for this part of the episode, J-Man goes off. And so I'm about to rant right now. All right, go ahead. But then, you know, when you think about in the outside community, when you think about how things work, how things, the types of processes that exist in certain types of organizations, that there's um, there's sense to it. Like, like, you know, like goals are established. And so everybody that's working under a certain umbrella that we're all organized so that the organization overall is working towards those goals. Yeah. But when you come home out here and then you get thrown into the work environment out here, that a lot of the times that a lot of the work environment, how is this, it's established, it's very chaotic. Okay. And that oftentimes there are no defined goals. All right. And oftentimes the people that you work with are either not fit for the jobs that they're working in or they don't do their jobs. They don't know how to do their jobs, but yet they continue to have a job. Uh-huh. While individuals out there that want to come home that have some sort of training in certain areas that they don't have those opportunities to do so because somebody else that's not fit for a certain type of position is continuing to hold that position. So pretty much you're saying that, um, you know, if you know somebody in the business, you know, and you get a job there, you don't even know you don't even have to have a degree in order for you to work um, at, a, as a, at a professional level. So hence the tribe. Pretty much. I'm pretty sure the, the rumors are true. Like, you know, um, <laughs> and, if, if your family, you know. And, and see, that that's the thing. That's the thing is that I wouldn't completely agree with that notion that people only hire their relatives. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure it exists and I'm sure it happens, especially here on our reservation. But it's not 100 percent for every single position oh, yeah. that exists out there. And so, you know, and I think that was kind of one of one of the rants that I had, or at least that's kind of, you know, one of the things that really just boils in my blood that, you know, as as a people out here on the reservation, that as a tribe, and I've said this before many a times, is that we all want good things for ourselves. Oh yeah. We want better educational systems, we want better healthcare systems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But yet our actions and how we sit in our jobs that a lot of the times that we are our own worst enemy, that <laughs> we can't get out of our own way. And, you know, it's kind of a, cause I, I'm a thinker. I think a lot. And so when I see on social media, I see it all the time. I'm proud to be Hopi for this reason, that I have a lot of pride in my reservation for this reason, that I am happy to be Hopi for, you know, this other reason. But one thing that I am very ashamed of is that sometimes how our workings here on the reservation doesn't get certain things done because of ourselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the lack of professionalism, um, how we carry ourselves as employees out here on the reservation, that a lot of the times I'm ashamed because then out here that you have certain organizations that work with external organizations, organizations off the reservation because they really want to help Hopis. Oh, yeah. They see value in our communities. They see value in our culture. They see value in our language. They really appreciate who we are as a people. 
and they want to give us assistance. But a lot of the times when they're trying to work either with the tribe or particular organizations in general, that oftentimes that either the tribe or those particular organizations aren't organized well enough to be accepting that type of help. And then sometimes as an employee here, I see it and it's like, man, I cannot I, I cannot imagine what these external individuals that are trying to help our people, what they must be thinking. Oh, yeah. What they must be thinking that, you know, this is how we are. This is how we think, because then you see it often and you hear about it often about disgruntled workers out here. And, you know, one of the things one, one of one tip that I was given that I always think about. Uh, when I was working in the kitchens was somebody told me that anything in regards to work, don't take it personally. It's just business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that idea isn't accepted out here that out here, <laughs> everybody takes everything personal. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so when there are people out there that aren't doing a good job, you tell them that they're not doing a good job. They take it personally. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't separate that an employer isn't attacking your personal integrity, but rather they're attacking your performance, Yeah, which is two separate things. And then for that worker, that's something that they have complete control over that they could work harder to do a better job. And, you know, I, I think that, and it's difficult, too, because like when you're a, a person that takes up leadership roles, especially on the reservation, that you hear a lot of criticism. You hear a lot of criticism from individuals out there. And, you know, unfortunately, that for all of the people that do the criticizing, more than likely, they only know 0.1% of the whole story. Oh, yeah, exactly. That they don't know. 99.9% .9 of the story, but yet they feel that they have enough information that they can go on Facebook and talk crap about certain things, talk crap about our Hopi programs, talk crap about our educational systems, talk crap about our healthcare systems. Because I, I saw a comment on Facebook one time that just really had me shaking my head. It was the, um, it was the laundry services that the village of Oraibi yeah, yeah. was able to develop for themselves and to have. And I remember I saw this comment that when one of the Oraibis shared that, that, an individual commented under it. They said, oh, wow, you know, that's really nice that you guys did that for yourself. You're the only village that spent your COVID money on what you were supposed to spend. Yeah, on. yeah. And I remember reading that and I was thinking, what an asinine comment. <laughs> like, what makes you think that you have the knowledge of what every single village spent their COVID funds on to make that kind of assessment that you're the only village that spent your COVID funding on what you were supposed to spend it on. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately out here that you get a lot of that type of attitude. Oh yeah. And it chases a lot of people away because I'll admit that I've had those moments where I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Phoenix because you know, it, it it's, it, what really it becomes, it becomes weight in your pockets and it's hard to move 
especially when you have good intentions in your heart. You want to help your community that when all this negativity is out there, that it becomes rocks in your pocket. And then it makes it hard for you to move. It makes you hard to help your people. I think that's the reason why we failed as a tribe, because a lot of our people are against each other. And we, a lot of people are hating each other. And like I said before, out here on the Hopi Reservation, we hate each other. We just don't like <laughs> each other out here. And it is true. It is very, very true to, to, the, to the point where it's like, why? Why are you doing this? We're trying, we, we want to do this for the Hopi people, not just for ourselves. We want to do this for the generations that are going to live here mm-hmm. after us. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at it in a way, you know, we're, the, we're actually the speakers in front of that podium saying to our, you know, future generations to go out and, and learn from our mistakes, learn mm-hmm. from what had happened here. Look at us, look at us and then look at you. Because the thing is that one of my biggest uh, role models is my drunk Taha. <laughs> and I say that because he made, uh, he made my choice to say that I would never be like him. Which one? <laughs> and he made it so that I, I would never be like that. I never wanted to be the village drunk. So he's my role model to say, to see and to hear that I, I never want to be in that position of what he is. So I, in, in defining that Carl, I, I think that's what they call an oxymoron. <laughs> exactly. It is an oxymoron. <laughs> well, you know, it's almost be- time for before, us to go. Before, before we go. And you know, I don't, I don't mean to, um, I guess be negative, like, like the negative people that I'm talking about, yeah. you know, but it does get to you, you know, it does get to you and you need those moments to where you need to just let it off your chest. And there, I did have a little section carved out for positive things, you know, <laughs> but then, you know, we kind of segued off and talked about food for, for quite a amount of time and, you know, our extensive shout outs, but there are positive things. Oh yeah. There, there are, are positive positives. things when you come back. And, you know, some of the things that I thought of is that the ability to raise your family here on your home. Yeah. With your language. Oh, yeah. With your culture. Oh, yeah. So that they can experience that. The ability to be full-time now, full-time farmer, full-time participant in the ceremonies. And so, you know, there are many other positive things. And there are good people here on the reservation. Oh, yeah, there, there are. There are good people here on the reservation. And that's something that's, that's something that I have to remind myself sometimes that when I'm trying to... Um, navigate trying to uh, weave around you know all the negative comments out there all of the other negativity stuff that there are people out here that are good that really want good things for our reservations out here so but thank you for uh coming to my ted talk and you know i probably won't be invited (laughs) back but uh thank you (laughs) all right well thank you again uh for listening and if you got this far i mean i congratulate you for listening for a whole hour pretty much So, you know, if you would like to sponsor us or if you like to contribute to our 30 pack or if you want to be a 30 pack sponsor, go to anchor.fm slash CJ podcast 85 to become a member. It's only 99 cents uh, or 9.99, whichever one you choose. Or if you just want to give a dollar or more, go to uh, buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast to donate a dollar or more. 
And if you're not following us on our social medias, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Carl and J Men. And as we mentioned, we do have a new social media manager. So big shout out to her. She's been doing a great job. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, don't forget to smash that like button. Hit subscribe. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please, please give us a five star review. I know that, you know, sometimes rants aren't fun to listen to, but thank you for indulging me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man's Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long. Quack, quack.